Hey, James, welcome to the casino. Hey, Bruce. Oh, thanks for having me here. It's always a pleasure to come back to Bespin. I love having you here. I'm I'm doing great. And Michael, look, we have James Swallow here. We can talk Star Trek all day long. And you've got a new novel coming out, James. This is exciting. Whoa. Yeah, it's great. Whoa, whoa, it's, uh, whoa. it's uh, you know, it's this is a little bit of a change from the final frontier, but you know, yeah, let's talk about Star Trek. Hey, whoa, no, guys, no, Bruce, you read what? the handbook. There's absolutely no talking about Star Trek in Cloud City. We, wait, we can't talk Star Trek here. No, Why can't you? we talked what? Doctor Who the other day. That's different. Shut up. Oh, uh, now, I f- now I feel bad about it. Now I feel a little awkward. I don't know what to say. We can talk about Star Wars. That's fine. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, let's do that. We'll talk about Star Wars then. Look, I'm in a Star Trek frame of mind right now, so... Hey, Bruce, would you would you like to clean the refreshers again? Yeah, I'm out of here. See ya. Enjoy your stay. What have we here? I suggest a new strategy. You really belong here with us, fucking club. Welcome, scoundrels, to our 19th episode of the Cloud City Casino Podcast. We're glad to have you back here visiting us in our fabulous podcast, Among the Clouds. And as you know, we are the official collecting and gaming podcast of the StarWarsReport.com. And I am the administrator of this facility and your host, Chris And also with me, as always, Bruce Gibson. Hey, 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 it's Bruce. I'm here in the casino and I'm sticking around. I'm not going anywhere. I will talk Star Wars today. Okay. We're all on the same page? We're all on the same page. And speaking of page, we have an author here that writes for the page, many pages, and for video games. And that's James Swallow. Hi, James. How are you doing? Hey, guys. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, We love for- having you here. This is great because you actually are a big Star Wars fan. Is that correct? Um, how could I not be? You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a 40-something nerd. I am a child of the Star Wars generation. You know, how can you, how can you be a geek and be our age and, and not be a Star Wars fan? So definitely, yeah. How old were you when you saw the first Star Wars movie? Wow, that would have been... Well, we, we got it in the UK in 1978, early in 1978. So I would have been, what, just nine years old, maybe? Eight or nine years old? I still, rem- I rem- I still remember it very clearly. It was a, a movie theater in London and on Tottenham Court Road called The Dominion, which is now, uh, now a regular theater. Um, and I remember my dad taking me to see it, and, and that first moment, you know, with the, the Star Destroyer flying over and the quadraphonic sound just completely blowing me away. And I remember I looked up at the ceiling because it was so loud, I thought it was actually flying over my head. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I never heard anybody say that, but yeah, with that sound coming through, you would think that the ceiling's about to cave in on you. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I, you and I are about the same age because I was about nine years old in 77, 78 when I, when I saw it too. So, you know, uh, Michael's here, the young one. He's like 28 <laughs> years old right now. Right, Michael? Yeah. Yep. I'm, I refer to myself as a child of the dark times. <laughs> you know, there was, it was very hard to uh, locate Star Wars of, of anything uh, when I got into it. I'm, I'm not absolutely sure the, the year. Um, but I was born in 87, and of course, you know, there was no toys or anything until 94 when they did the Bendems and the, uh, the Master, whatever, Action Masters, that's what they're called. And, uh, you know, so, so basically during that period was somewhere in there is when I got into it, and, and probably earlier than, than later, because, you know, I, I, I remember having a hard time going and trying to find uh, the VHS in uh in in video stores 
And so, of course, we would, you know, try to bootleg them and uh, the ones that they had. And then I remember eventually they started coming on, um, I don't know if it was USA or I don't remember which channel it was. And so then I was able to, to bootleg them that way until 95 or 97 when they did the the um, special editions. Uh, see, in the UK, there was always a kind of tradition of the Star Wars movies being shown at Christmas time. So, okay. you know, if, if you were a Star Wars fan in the UK, you could be, if you didn't have it on video, you could be guaranteed at least seeing it once a year if you knew where to look. Okay, excellent. Yeah, it's... I, I, I definitely remember it being super quiet, you know, when I, uh, I came around because there was, you know, nobody was talking about it. It wasn't anywhere. So Disney Infinity 3.0 came out, uh, what, a couple months ago now, I would say at this point? Yeah, that was September, end of September. End of September. Okay, so it hasn't been that long. So you wrote the Star Wars story for one of the playsets called Twilight of the Republic. So. Tell us a little bit about that story and how it integrates with the game. Okay. Well, the, um, should I give you guys like a kind of precy of, of like how the game works first or just jump yeah, into the story? Let's, let's go brief uh, how the game works. Okay. Well, the, the, the concept of Disney Infinity is it's kind of, I always say it's a, it's a bit like digital Lego. It's, it's kind of a game of two halves. You have the toy box, which is uh, a section of the game where you can come in and you can, pl- you can play a character and you can build this environment out of different Lego block type items, that sort of digital Lego that you can build an environment, you can build your own sort of playroom and you can create sort of very, very complicated worlds and it even has kind of mechanics in there for you to create your own games. So you can create like racing games or sports games or, you know, shooter games. All of those things are all kind of built in there. That's kind of one half of it. And the other half of it is what we call the play sets. And each play set is based on a specific property that is owned by Disney. And the way you play is you get uh, a character, we call them IGPs, uh, which are in, sort of in-game pieces. It's basically a toy, and the toy has a, a digital chip embedded inside it. You place it on a little platform that connects to the front of your console, and the toy character will then appear in the game, and you get to play that character. And the initial ones, um, the original sort of 1.0 stuff, Disney had characters from things like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Monsters, Inc., and The Incredibles. And then with 2.0, they had a, a bunch of Marvel characters. And now with 3.0, um, Star Wars has been added to the mix. And uh, my part on the project, I was recruited to work on Twilight of the Republic, which is the, the Clone Wars era playset. And I, uh, I wrote the uh, storyline for that. I also did all of the dialogue for all the characters. And I also wrote dialogue for all of the, the Rebels characters based on the TV series. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So when you buy this game, it comes with two characters. It's uh, Soka and Anakin, right? That's right, yeah. Okay. So then you've got two other characters you can buy separately, which would be Obi-Wan Kenobi and uh, Yoda. And you can also buy Darth Maul as well if you wish. Oh, that's right, because I forgot they came out with Darth Maul later. They first well, originally well, just not, had the four, and then Darth, Mar- Darth Maul. Or is it Maul now? Because he's not Darth Maul anymore, right? By the time of the Clone Wars? I think we, I think we still call him Darth Maul, because that's how most people know him. Yeah, with, with a lot of the playsets, what will happen is you'll, there'll be like the initial two characters that come out in the playset with the, the playset piece, which you, know, you put on the, the little platform and that activates the playset. And then there'll be extra characters. And, and the kind of second wave of releases, uh, 
they often release like a bad guy character. So we've got Darth Maul because he's you know the one of the iconic Clone Wars bad guys. And and in the next set, which is the the classic trilogy, we've got Darth Vader being released. Right, and and Maul will be released on uh, November third. Um, I think yes, I think that is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sarah and uh, Rich from Skywalking Through Neverland, they already had him so they were talking about him and uh they they already uh were playing mall against mall <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the crazy thing about it is that um you know you can you can mix and match the characters mm-hmm. in the game and it does get a little weird where you th- i was saying to one of the guys in the design studio you know if we have uh clone wars era anakin playing alongside uh you know classic trilogy vader isn't that going to be a bit strange uh, and we were like, that's a great idea. Just, we just go for it. You know? one, of the, one of the things we do to, to try and make sure that stuff doesn't get too crazy confusing is that characters from like, one particular universe can only appear in that playset. So you, know, you couldn't have Iron Man, say, and, and, you know, and, and Mike from Monsters, Inc. Right, turning up on Geonosis. Right? But if you have the, um, the playset, which is where you... If you sorry, if you have the toy box, which is where you can create your own universes, then you can mix and match any character you want with any other Disney character. And you can have that kind of crazy sort of stuff. So, you know, you can have Darth Vader riding on the back of the Lone Ranger's horse while chasing, you know, Quora from Tron, who is in a snowspeeder. Right. A friend of mine likes to describe it as the, the craziest fan fiction generator you've ever heard of. <laughs> That's a really good name for it. So what's, what's the process to... Uh to write for a video game, I, you know, writing, I'm, sh- I'm sure for novels is like a totally different experience than, than writing for a video game. Did, did Lucasfilm or Disney give you certain direction on the story? How did that all come about? Well, you, you're absolutely right. It, it is completely different from, from writing any other kind of stuff I've ever done. As, as, you know, I've written scripts for radio and I've written sort of books and short stories and that kind of thing. And, and a game is, is a completely different animal because it's partly like writing a script for a movie because you do have cut scenes which are like you know, a, a clip from a film or a TV show. But then you have like dialogue going on in the game and you have to have narrative that sort of emerges out of gameplay without making it feel like you're railroading the player. You know? So you have, to have, you have to create an entire world, not just a set of scenes. So it's a very different um, set of requirements. But it's really fun as well because you get to create that entire environment and you work with very, very talented people like you know, the level designers and the art guys and the, you know, the character designers and you know, the programmers, all you know, really, really clever people, very, very talented people. And, and it's really fun to be sort of part of that team and help create that sort of game environment. You know, because what you want to do is you want to create a story that makes you feel like you're part of that world. And in this case, you know, makes you feel like you're, you're in Star Wars. So that's, uh, it's a great challenge, but it's also, it's also a lot of fun. In terms of uh, Disney and Lucas's involvement, they were very much, you know, on board in the room with us from day one. As they, you know, they uh, they have, a, you, you know, you know how how things are with the the new canon and the story group and all that kind of stuff. All those guys were basically, you know, looking over our shoulder all the way, saying, you know, you have to make sure that you do this stuff right, that it has to feel like Star Wars, you know, and it, it can't sort of contradict or do anything too crazy wild that goes kind of off the reservation. But we so- all knew that going in. Was there anything, you're mentioning about the story group, is there anything in this story that you put in there that wasn't in official canon that now is? Um, yeah, but there are a couple of very small little things. Um, I mean, when we first started writing the storyline for, for Twilight of the Republic, one of the things 
I wanted to do, I, I think I, I tabled this at one of the very first meetings, is I said to the rest of the team, we should make this feel like it's a lost episode of The Clone Wars. Is that, you know, so that you could watch the Clone Wars TV series and then you could pick up Twilight of the Republic and you could feel like they were, those stories would flow from one into the other and, and try and create it as much as we possibly could in a way that it wouldn't contradict any sort of existing Star Wars canon stories and that you could feel like it was all part of the same world. And that was something that we decided, um, you know, we wanted to do from, from the, the, the very beginning. Uh, and obviously that meant that we, ha we had to sort of work hard to make sure um, everything fit together. And uh, that meant going through um, a lot of story iterations and a lot of, you know, different versions of the plot line and, and trying to make sure that, you know, stuff we were doing would not sort of bump into material that the, the other characters, uh, the, uh, that the other teams were working on. I'm sorry, did I drift off? I drifted off the question there. Sorry, what was your question again? <laughs> I, I'm just sorry. I'm uh, no, if you, added, if you added to canon. Did I add, it, yeah, that was it. Did, little did, bits. Did, did I add, that's right. Did I add to canon? Yeah. Well, um, originally what we wanted to do is we wanted to try and color inside the lines. You know, we wanted to make sure that we could, we would only use existing characters. And we worked very, very hard to, to mine the background of Star Wars. So every time we needed somebody to kind of, come up in the game and, and give you something to do. We have these characters called mission givers, you know, who will appear on the map and they'll say, oh, you know, could you come and do this thing for me? Could you help me get my space cat out of the space tree and, you know, and, and, and earn some <laughs> points and something? Uh, and, for example, if you, if you play the game uh, and you go to Coruscant, one of the missions is that you get to do a kind of taxi driver mission. And we were looking and we, we drilled down into the background and we found a particular character who is an established canon taxi driver character who appears in the background of uh, one of the prequel trilogy films, and we were like, okay, well, we're going to use this guy. And we had uh, one where we had to find a couple of Republic senators who had appeared in the background of scenes. We were like, okay, well, here's this guy. We're going you know, to put this character front and center. Somebody who maybe you'd only seen in the background of one shot, just kind of walking past or you know, handing a clipboard to, to, to you know, Palpatine or something like that. And we were like, okay, let's make this guy a character. But there were a couple of places where we, we found we didn't have the right guy for the role. We didn't have the right guy for the job, you know? So we, you know, we kind of went to the guys at Lucas on bended knee and said, can we, can we please create a couple of original characters just to help us carry our story forward? And we had to kind of argue a little bit, but in the end they realized that, you know, that was, uh, that was something we could do. So we've created, there's a, there's a 3PO droid uh, called TD-54 who turns up at the beginning of the story, and he's an original character. And there is uh, a Rodian mechanic who you get to meet on um, on Tatooine, who's like an ex-pod racer and a friend of, of Mace Windu's, and his name is Swaja Marlon, and he turns up there. So I think those, I think pretty much those are the only two characters, brand new characters that we created for the game, and they're only kind of supporting bit part guys. Well, I know one of my favorite characters is Cad Bane, so it was awesome to see him there, and he was the one that uh, stole TD Five Four from. Yeah. The, the Jedi Temple and ran off with him. You had to chase him. I guess that was the part of the scene you were talking about in the taxi, just you know, t chasing them down through uh, Coruscant to try to get uh, TD-54 back because he had, what was it? He had the identity of the person who was uh, overseeing the droid factory on Geonosis. That's right, yeah. It's, so it's a, it's a kind of, um, what we wanted to do with the story was take you back to some of the iconic locations from the prequel trilogy. And so uh, my brief was, well, how can I come up with a storyline that you know, allows you to revisit these locations but not tell the same exact story again? 
and so we came up with this concept of you know the the idea that somebody had activated this droid factory on Geonosis. Um, you know, and and so the heroes think, well, it's obviously you know the separatists, but it actually isn't. It's somebody else, and the mystery starts to unfold, and our heroes go from planet to planet, tracking it down and trying to find you know who the bad guy is. I mean, there are so many great characters in the prequel trilogy. You know, we we were we wanted to have we wanted to have them all in there. You know, we were originally we talked about having um, uh, having Count Dooku uh, play a major role in the storyline, and we realized that we we had such high hopes and such big aspirations, we couldn't put absolutely everything in so we had to kind of cut some out and sadly um you know we couldn't use dooku he i think he does get like a name check in the story but we got to use you know great characters like uh, general grievous had a really great sort of time sort of putting him together and, and having cad bane come up and and, and do us a, uh, a kind of cameo because he's a great character as well i really loved him in the cartoon show and it was great fun that we could have him you know lead our heroes on a merry chase through the streets of coruscant yeah, he's awesome. He's he's like I say, he's one of my favorite characters, and I like the way that uh, Geonosis started off because when we saw Episode Two, uh, of course, Geonosis ends, the battle ends, we see the droid factory, and then with the movie at the end, the Clone War starts. But it's interesting how this story pointed out the fact that it sounded like they had visited Geonosis several times trying to stop destroyed factory but someone keeps coming back and starting it up or adding more troops to that area so it did feel like a continuation of episode two and like you said like another episode of the clone war so i thought that was really cool yeah we we tried to make sure that the little details we as as best we possibly could you know there are a few places where we didn't get it to marry up as well as we would like but you know we we tried very hard to make it match up as well as possible so what you have is a game that you know, it's very much a family game, I guess would be the best way to describe Disney Infinity. You know, it, it's a game designed for, you know, for kids to play with their siblings, for parents to play with their kids, and for, you know, aging geek collectors like us to play as well and still, and still have some fun with it, you know. And we try to make sure that every one of those audiences has a bit of story, has a bit of something that will appeal directly to them. And so when I was writing it, I was thinking in the back of my head, I've got to, I'm, I'm writing this for a very discerning audience of Star Wars fans, and I want to try and make them feel like... This is not just a plain vanilla game with a Star Wars kind of paint job on it. Is that I wanted to make it feel like it is Star Wars, and I wanted to put little kind of references to Star Wars stuff in there, small nods and asides that would make you feel like it connects to the larger universe. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a necessarily a little kids game. It does feel like it's for all ages. I mean, I know I like it, Michael. You've played it, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. Oh, and there's well, Minox. We we get to uh, <laughs> search for Minox in this thing too, right? <laughs> yeah, that was one of our, one of our little ideas. Is that you know we a, a couple of sort of like uh, little collectible sort of missions. There is one of them is uh, tracking down. There's a bunch of holocrons scattered throughout the game as well, uh, and the Minox were you know uh, that cool. That was fun when the guys first showed me the design of that with the the big sucker mouth on the end of it, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. You know, we had them like sticking to walls and stuff, or kind of flying around in places. So I kind of have a question about uh, something that's always kind of made me curious is the actual writing for a video game. Um, how do you go about making sure that you're, you know, are, are you writing the, the objective, like the gameplay objectives as well? Um, how do you make sure that you're getting enough, you know, you're not just telling a story that, that someone would, would follow, but it's actually more making sure it's interactive and that you're adding uh, a lot of fun gameplay. Well, that's the, you know, I was saying earlier about how it's a team effort. That's kind of where that comes into it, you know. So 
I would talk to some of the design guys and they would say, well, you know, we've, we've built this part of the level and, and it has um, some great traversal gameplay, you know, where you can climb up the side of a building and we've got this big tall tower and we'd like to do something in the story that would show that off. So I, I would say, like, okay, well, let's have a mission where, you know, you have to climb to the tower to fix this antenna that Cad Bane damaged in the cutscene previously. So mm-hmm. that kind of makes it fit into the storyline and that gives gives you an excuse to show off gameplay and make it fold into the narrative uh, of the plot as well. So, And then sometimes it would work the other way. Or so I, I would say, you know, it would be really cool if we could have a scene where this happens. And I would go to the design guys and go, can we do this? And, and if it was something that they liked and they thought they could make work, we would do it that way. But it was very much a kind of two-way street. Okay, cool. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I was thinking, but I was, I was just sort of curious, uh, like I said, ha- how you approached that situation. I mean, it is a, 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 a sort of, it's a, it's a kind of linear-ish story, you know, that you do have a beginning and a middle and an end, and, you know, you do have events happen, and you say to the player, well, the next thing, the next part of the story is, is, is over there on, on Naboo, so, you know, if you want to go to the next part of the story, that's where you go, but we don't kind of push you into it, we say, it's, you know, we open a door and say, when you want to go to that part of the story, it's over there waiting for you, but if you want to stick around where you are now and do some other stuff, do some sort of little side stories or just kind of tool around or just, you know, just have fun with the environment, you are free to do that because the idea of this game is that you play it at your own pace and importantly, you play it the way you want to. So if you want to be, you know, kind of running around like a bull in a china shop and breaking up everything or if you want to be kind of more clever and controlled about the way you play, you can do that. Well, I, I like Sabine, so I choose the bull in China shop option. <laughs> <laughs> Go around with those dual pistols, and then if I'm not her, then I'm Ahsoka with the dual lightsabers. It's oh, I love I love Ahsoka's <laughs> like you know her special moves with the with that sort of spin attack that she does is really awesome. Yeah, yeah. That that was one of the um one of the things that was was really rewarding working with the uh, the studio that I worked with um, here in the UK is a, is a studio called Ninja Theory, and uh, one of the things that uh, Disney Interactive did with 3.0 is they they brought in a lot of different design teams from different parts of the world and basically said guys you know play to your strength do what you really do well and they came to ninja theory and said we want you guys to do the clone war stuff because what you do good is malay combat and if you look at the kind of games that ninja theory produced before they did uh infinity 3.0 is they did stuff like heavenly sword enslaved um, Odyssey to the West, uh, DMC, uh, the new title Hellblade, and they're all very much um, sort of action melee combat games. And of course, what's the Clone Wars about? It's about Jedi, right? And that's that's melee combat, that's sword fighting, and that's something that they did very, very well. So the the design team at Ninja Theory, when they were creating these characters and these special moves, that's something they really specialize in, and it gives it a real kind of energy and, and sort of excitement when, you know, when you're in the middle of a, a lightsaber battle and you can just pull a fantastic, cool move. You know, it really is, uh, is a lot of fun. So, James, it sounds like the fact that you wrote in this Clone Wars and you have this, this history of the Clone Wars and the prequel trilogy, is this something you had to research, or did you, have you been following this all along and, and you had it all in the back of your head? Uh, it's a, a little bit, some from column A and some from column B, I'd say. You know, I mean, I, I've, as I say, I've always been a fan, and, and this isn't my first experience, uh, you know, writing for the galaxy far, far away. It's my first experience writing fiction, but years ago, before, um, before I was a games writer and, and a novelist, I used to write for science fiction magazines, and, and maybe some of your listeners with long memories will remember publications like uh, Star Wars Gamer and Star Wars Insider, 
the, the official Star Wars fact files and magazines like that. And I used to write articles for those. So, you know, I, w- I would write kind of factual articles about Star Wars. So I had a lot of that kind of, you know, you know the, kind, the kind of nerd lore, the kind of facts and figures that kind of accumulate in the back of your head. So I had a, I had a, a good basis for all of that locked away in my skull already. And <laughs> on, on top of that, you know, a bookshelf full of Star Wars reference books. Um, and and the you know and the sterling assistance of everybody over at Lucasfilm basically meant that you know if we had to check any information we had all that at our fingertips. So what was it like when they called and they said, "Hey, we want you to write a Star Wars story"? Oh man, can you imagine? Uh, I was <laughs> I was I was pretty sort of uh, speechless. Uh, you know, I, I'd been working with Ninja Theory on a on a superhero game project, which had sadly got cancelled. And we'd had a great time working on it, but the whole thing just kind of fell by the wayside. And when we were done, I was really sad because I had such a great time working with these talented guys. And I was like, well, I hope we can work on something again, guys. And they're like, yeah, there's, there is this thing that we might be doing. And, you know, we'll, we'll call you. And I was like, okay. And I thought, oh, well, that'll be that. Yeah, some and little they, thing probably coming. Yeah. Nothing big. Yeah. You know, and it was, it was like, because at that time it was super top secret, you know. And, um, and this, was before, this was before Disney Infinity 2.0 had come out. So it was, you know, everything, much, everything was very much under wraps. People were saying, oh, I guess the next one will be Star Wars, but no one had said anything officially. And then they called me in for a meeting, and they said, well, we're doing Disney Infinity. And I was like, oh, cool, I love Marvel Comics. Are we going to do a superhero thing? And they're like, no, we're not going to do superheroes. We're going to do something that's, like, much cooler. <laughs> it's Star Wars. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, because that's something that's been on my nerd bucket list from day one is, you know, one thing about being a writer who writes in, you know, not only my own sort of fictional universes, but in other people's is you get to go to, you get to visit worlds that gave you a lot of pleasure and enjoyment and you get to kind of give a little bit back. And that's always kind of the way I feel about it. And Star Wars was the thing that I always wanted to tell a story in the Star Wars world. So when this opportunity came up, I just grabbed on with both hands and said, this, let's do this. And, um, and once we, you know, we kind of got some air under our wings about it, and uh, everybody at Lucasfilm was really great, and and then they invited us over to to have a meeting there, which is kind of like, you know, the the holy pilgrimage. So you actually went to Lucasfilm. Yeah, went out to oh, the wow. went out to the Letterman Center out in uh, San Francisco, um, with uh, with my producer Stan, and he, and he and I were like, kind of, oh wow, this is, you know, this is pretty impressive stuff. And it was kind of funny because when we got there, we were like, okay, well, you know, we have to be very professional about this because we're here to do a job of work and, you know, and we're not here to be fanboys and nerd out or anything. But every time we looked at something, we were like, oh, my God, have you seen, look over there, there's that cool thing. Oh, my God. You know, and if you, I don't know if you guys have ever been there, you know, outside the offices, they have this Yoda fountain. Yes. And, and then you go, you go past that and then you go into the reception area and they've got all these amazing sort of props and stuff up there, you know, full-size statues of Vader and Boba Fett and stuff like that. But that's as far as you can go if you're a member of the public. But we got to, you know, take a walk around inside the building and, and every kind of five feet there is a prop or a thing from a movie that you have seen, you know. So like, a, oh, you know, here's a, here's a stormtrooper, here's a set of stormtrooper armor from the original, you know, 1977 shoot. Here's, uh, you know, here's the Ark of the Covenant over there, and, you know, here's a full-size model of C-3PO, or, you know, there's R2-D2 over there. Here's, you know, Han Solo in Carbonite. And I can remember they were taking us to the, uh, the conference room, and I would stop every five feet, go, oh, my God, look at that. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, oh look, look at that thing. That's really, really cool. And the Lucasfilm guys were like, this is what happens every time we bring somebody in here. <laughs> I was going to say, it prob- they're probably so used to it, they probably schedule meetings <laughs> a half hour earlier just to give <laughs> just time to- for people to go <laughs> through. <laughs> 
Because I was saying to one of the guys, I said, you know, the only way you could get me through here without having me stop every five minutes is if you blindfolded me. <laughs> because, because there's just so much, uh, you know, it's, it's so much amazing stuff there. And, and it's, it's it, you know, it, it's ILM it's, and it's Lucasfilm. It's the, the history of some of my favorite movies of all time. And seeing all that stuff in the flesh is, is just incredible. And it was great to, you know, to, to be in a room with, you know, people like, uh, you know, the, the story team, people like, you know, like um, Pablo, you know, how I had a great, first, when I met Pablo for the first time, the first thing I did was I shook his hand and I said, I love what you did with, with Clone Wars. You know, it's a real honor to be working with, with talented people like you and the, and the rest of the team. And uh, we just kind of threw ourselves into it and just tried to do, you know, the absolute best we could. And at the same time, as well as doing the Clone Wars stuff, as I said, we were doing these character designs for, for the Rebels characters. So we got to see all of the stuff for Season 1 and early Season 2 stuff for Rebels before any of it had been released to the world. And, and that was really amazing as well, you know, to be sort of, you know, getting to look at this stuff a year before the rest of the world got to see it. And uh, and I continue to be you know amazed by the the, the stories that those guys create. Talking about the the Clone Wars era, is there a, a specific character that you really enjoyed from that era that you were excited about working with, or or maybe wanted to and didn't get a chance to? Oh, that's a good question. Well, uh, Ahsoka, I think, is probably my favorite character because you know I think in terms definitely in terms of watching the show, you know I think she was the one that she's exhibited so much growth throughout the show. And, and I think she changed from being kind of, you know, when you see her early on at the beginning and she looks like the kind of, oh, is she going to be the annoying kid character? Is that going to be good or what? I don't know. But she has such a great range of growth mm-hmm. throughout the story. And, you know, and by the time you get to like the end of her arc at the end of the series, you know, she's really gone a long way and she's really grown and developed into a character. And so, you know, I liked her a lot as well. And also, I've I got a soft spot for Obi-Wan Kenobi just because of his accent, obviously. <laughs> um, you, you know, but yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of great characters there. I mean, in terms of characters uh, we didn't get to use, like I said, I would have liked to have done some stuff with, with Dooku because I think he's an interesting bad guy. Yeah. But we got to sort of, you know, touch base on w- with, with some, of, uh, some of my favorite characters. I mean, I'm really glad we got to put Grievous in there as well because he's such a great kind of hissable bad guy, you know. And and I just uh, I, I I love his design and I like kind of the whole sort of aura he gives off, and, and yeah, I was really pleased that we got to make him kind of one of our um, end of level bosses in the game. Well, you also have Colonel Gasson in there, and oh, yeah. a few other yeah. ones that are kind of like Easter eggs from the Clone Wars into into that. Uh, even from the prequels, you had uh, Sabulba in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was kind of fun. I mean, the, one one of my favorite lines which we got to put in there is where Anakin says, oh, Jedi are pretty good at pod racing, as Sabulba will remember. And he kind of just looks at him. And, and Sabulba, the animators did this thing where Sabulba just kind of pulls this kind of sort of voice, you know. Like, you I know. know, that was my favorite line. That was my favorite scene in the whole thing. That was hilarious. I just like the idea of Anakin kind of going, yeah, you remember me? Yeah, loser. <laughs> just, just kind of rubbing it in a little bit there, you know. Yeah, I took you last time, I, I, and I was only a kid then. I can do it again, you know. Yeah, let's yeah. do that one more time. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, that was good fun putting that kind of stuff in. I mean, a lot of the um, uh, the the, the cutscene stuff, the characterization that we put in there is is you know, it, it, you have to be quick. You have to kind of get in and out. And you have to tell your bit of story and then kind of move on. And you have to have good economy of dialogue. And we were lucky that we got to use the cast from the cartoon show, who already you know know those characters backwards and forwards. So it wasn't a, a question of us kind of saying, well, this is who Anakin Skywalker is, and he does this. It's like, you know, no, I know exactly what I'm doing. You know, Matt Lanter comes in there, boom, he's Anakin Skywalker once again. Now, you weren't there when they did the recording, did, 
Were you? No, no, that was being that was being done in the U.S. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I you know I wrote all of the all of the script and everything, and and it was really rewarding to see those guys were tweeting a lot about it when they were actually doing the recording. Uh, to hear them saying, you know, oh, this is great. It's just like being in the Clone Wars again. And I thought that, to me, I was really pleased to hear that because it was a validation of my writing and I felt like I got the tone correct. Have you played the game? I'm assuming you have. I, ha- I have absolutely, yeah. I, um, I, I don't know if that kind of sounds a little self-indulgent, <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I, I, I definitely did. I sat down and, and uh, I played the whole thing sort of from start to finish and I went off and did all the side quests and everything because... When I'm working on these projects, often I will see lots of pieces of it, but I won't get to see the entire thing, you know, in its finished whole form. So playing it from start to finish, you know, I get to experience it the same way that a player will. And, uh, and that's always great. And, and I, I kind of, I guess it is self-indulgent really, you know, because there will be points where I'll play something and I'll see a cutscene or a sequence and I'll just think, man, we're good at our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I do the same thing when I'm editing sometimes, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, you look at it. And you go. You go. You know what? I'm awesome. I'm, totally, I'm awesome at what I do. And it's. And again, it's like I said before. You know, working with a talented team of of, of great people, it is fantastic when it all comes together. And, and you know, it, it all hits the mark, and it kind of fires on all cylinders. And you think, yeah, you know, I did a good job there. I'm proud of that, and I'm proud to be part of it. Oh yeah. So I I haven't gotten to completely play through the entire game yet. Um, is Hondo in it? Uh, Hondo is not in it. No, no maybe maybe we'll get him in some. Uh, He's a cool character. Yeah, I love yeah. I love his voice as well. You know, <laughs> yeah, one of my favorites is you know how he's just so back and forth. He's like, "Lucky for you today, I like children." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's yeah. what I was wondering. Is there going to be continued? Uh, is this story going to continue? Is there going to be other play sets that build off of this? Well, we have right now. The the plans um, are that what what have been announced. We've got Twilight of the Republic, which is Clone Wars. We have Rise of the Empire, which is the classic trilogy, and then uh, come December 18th, we will have a Force Awakens playset. Beyond that point, nothing else has been announced, uh, and that's pretty much all I can say about that. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's I know those uh, Disney NDAs. You have to be careful. But the thing, but but the thing is, is that you know the thing about Disney Infinity is it is uh, not to sound trite, it is an infinity of possibilities. You know, you can build you know, extra worlds and, and there is the, the possibility that, you know, there will be future playsets that may revisit other eras or, or tell stories from, you know, different parts of the Star Wars universe. All of that is open to us. And and also, the other great thing about the game is there's a massive community of of, of people out there, players, who are building their own storylines, building their own narratives right now. So if you get that game, you can go online to the to the um, the Disney toy box section, and you can look up and say, well, you know, what what are people making right now? And people will be out there developing their own little mini storylines based on whatever part of the the universe they happen to like. I mean, there's one I just saw a couple of days ago, which was a, a kind of spy mission thing uh, specifically designed for the character of Sabine, oh, nice. with her sort of infiltrating uh, an imperial base. And this is not an official Disney product. This is you know, somebody who's done this for fun off their own back and, and has put it up there and, you know, they, they submit these things to Disney and the Disney designers look at them and if they, if they are of a certain quality, you know, they put them out there and say, you know, this is really good, we endorse this and you are free to download that and play it. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have to get that one because, like I said, Sabine was the one that when I was going through, I'm like, okay, which one do I want first? I'm like, Sabine, got to grab her. You know. Yeah, she she's an awesome character. One one of the great things about the the toys as well is that you know the there's a certain look 
that all of the Disney Infinity characters have, not just Star Wars, but across the whole kind of gamut of them. There's a kind of uniquely Infinity-esque sort of style that they have. And, and all of the characters from whatever world they're from are all kind of like, you know, kind of come through that lens, as it were. And they all have this great kind of energy to them. You know, they're not just kind of standing there like, oh, here I am, I'm a guy standing on the base like an army man. You know, it's like they've got, they look like they're kind of leaping out at you. And, and I love the Sabine one you know, where she's got her foot cocked up on this kind of stormtrooper's helmet. Yeah. And she's got a spray gun in her hand. And she's kind of like got that look on her, that cocky look on her face, like yeah, yeah, I'll take you on, you know. Yeah. And uh, there's like you know the um, like the Darth Maul one is a really great figure. You know, he's he's got that he's kind of in mid spin, you know, with his double bladed lightsaber behind him, sort of coming up, and or the Princess Leia one where she's standing there, kind of holding the blaster pistol, kind of you know, looking at you sideways on. And one of my favorite ones is is Zeb from Rebels, who's kind of like beckoning you, like you know, come on, you want to have a fight with me, you know, and he's just. They, they, they really look like they're going to leap straight off of, the, off of the, the, the template and come running at you. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're very well done. I mean, I've heard uh, a lot of people mention that, you know, the sculpts look better than, than what Hasbro has been putting out for the figures. You know? I mean, they're, just, they're so detailed and nice. Yeah, I mean, I know guys who, you know, who just collect, who don't play the game, but just collect the figures because they look cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's my thing is because I was like, well... You know, I, I don't know that I need all of these characters, you know, for, for instance, uh, with Obi-Wan. I was like, well, you know, I, I don't know that I necessarily need to buy Obi-Wan because how different can he be from Anakin? You know, two guys with blue lightsabers that train together. You know, they, they've got to be fairly identical. But I really want that Obi-Wan, so I'm gonna, I guess I'll buy it anyways. <laughs> you know, so but, the, there's definitely the and, cool and, and the thing is, is you will find that the Obi-Wan's, if you play him in the game, his moveset is different. Okay. You know, he... He will have some abilities are kind of true across the board, right? But mm-hmm. but so some characters will have different sort of special attacks or different kind of moves, and and with the uh, the the newer sort of system running behind the characters in three you can as as you go through the game, you can level these guys up and you can give them you can, you have a choice about what kind of abilities you want them to have. So you know you can pick. Uh, if you want them to have a lot of kind of like force-based powers or if you want to have them more in a kind of like combat-based or like lightsaber-based, you can choose what sort of style of gameplay works best for you. Right, right. It's funny you said that, Michael, because when I went to the store with my daughter, I said there was a Sabine, a Yoda, and an Obi-Wan, and I wanted either Sabine or Yoda because I felt the same way. I thought, well, Obi-Wan's going to play kind of similar to Anakin. I said, okay, honey, you can pick any one of these. And I didn't think she'd pick Obi-Wan and she picked Obi-Wan. I was like, oh, no. Like, okay. <laughs> but I definitely want to get Sabine too. I think that yeah. sounds awesome. Can you play Sabine in Twilight of the Republic playset? You can play um, any of the characters in any of the playsets, but you have so to any find... Any Star Wars character in any of the Star Wars playsets. Yeah, but but there is one thing you have to do before before you can do that is scattered throughout uh, all of the levels are, are these things we call champion coins, and each they're, they're, each character has this specific collectible. They're not super hard to find. They're 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 kind of scattered off to the side here and there. And but you know if if you play through the game, kind of do a normal playthrough, you should pretty much be able to find all of them easily. And what happens is when you pick up that champion coin, you unlock the ability to put that particular character in the game. So, so, you know, that means, so you can put like, you know, Luke and Leia or, you know, and, and Darth Vader, you can have them turning up in that campaign or, and you, you can do the same thing when you play the other play sets as well is you'll find champion coins there for the rebels characters or the, the clone wars characters. And you can, you know, you can flip them backwards and forwards if you want. 
And would we be able to do that with the Force Awakens characters, do you think? Um, yes. When, when the Force Awakens playset comes out, you will be able to do the same thing with them. Yes! Ooh, I'm <laughs> going to do that. <laughs> yeah. I think, so have you found any of the coins, Bruce? I, you know, I th- think that on Geonosis, I found a Darth Maul coin. Yeah, I yeah that's, that's, the, that's the first one, one yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't remember if I found the others, but I do. that's when I first was keyed in as they're going, oh, wait, 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 there's these coins. I think it's so we can use other characters, which I need to go out and buy more. <laughs> Dang you, Disney, why are you making me spend more money? Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> See, because uh, I think in the, in the Marvel superheroes uh, game, there was uh, a similar thing where you could, you could cross over some of the Marvel characters and you had to find multiple coins of the same character before you could cross them over. But we realized that you know, that was uh, a lot of effort for people and we didn't want to get in the way of letting people play with the characters that they wanted to play with. You know, it's all about how you want to play the game. So we made it so you have to work a little bit to get those coins, but it's not like it's very, very hard for you to find them all. Right. right. Um, and, and now... I guess I guess you did say also. So so I asked you. You know, you said your uh, favorite character was Ahsoka. Is that uh, true to actual gameplay as well? Yeah, she's got some great gameplay moves as well. I mean, you know, I was saying about that that she does this great sort of like you know air attack thing where she right. just spins around in midair because she's got the two lightsabers, and she does this kind of like whirlwind of lightsaber blades, which is just really really cool. Spins around and lands, you know. And and that's uh, I was saying before about the guys at Ninja Theory, the the you know, the uh, the character designers there. I think that's one they really excelled on because she just looks you know fantastic. It's really impressive stuff watching her kind of land in the middle of like you know a bunch of B one battle droids and Magna guys just boom and off they go you know <laughs> flying in different directions. It's just you know it's very funky stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and then as far as um, I, I know, you probably played more through the the uh, Twilight of the Republic. Uh, more, you know, checking your work and stuff, but have you spent much time out in the actual uh, play box? Or play oh, box? yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. so. Yeah, I mean, one of the, um, one of the things I wanted to do is, was I played uh, 2.0, and I wanted to see what the differences were, and, and there's this um, crazy thing they have now with these sidekick characters, mm-hmm. which you can get, and you get a few of these in, the, uh, in Twilight of the Republic as well. You, you get these little Jedi youngling characters. Okay. Um, <clears throat> every location you go to, you'll find one or two of them, and, and they'll all have like a little mission. Like some of them will ask you to play hide and seek or some of them will have lost a, a toy and they ask you to help them find it. Uh, there's one where there's one who's trapped on top of a building and he asks you to kind of carry him down because he climbed up there and he can't get back down again. And every one of these little younglings that you rescue uh, will kind of, you can have them as a sidekick. And there's one of the, the, the side missions we have in the game is a Jedi arena where you can go into a, a fighting arena and it generates holographic versions of, of the bad guys. And you can just kind of like use it to practice your combat skills. But the, the younglings will follow you in there. So you have this little horde of Jedi kids with their little <laughs> training lightsabers following you around and helping you out. Oh, that's awesome. Which is kind of funny. And, this, and at the end of the game, I had like this army of little younglings. Come on, kids, let's go. And off they go. You know, and we're fighting against a you know, huge horde of battle droids. Uh, yeah, that's good fun. And, and so in, in, the, in the toy box hub, um, the, the sidekicks... Is, uh, are, uh, have even more to them where you can kind of give them different hats that give them different abilities and you can give them different bits of equipment and you have a kind of little sort of farming mini game that's a little bit like Farmville kind of thing where you can level up and, and uh, you know give these characters extra stats and extra abilities that you can use in toy boxes in other parts of the game. What's one of the, the strangest or oddest things that you've managed to have happen inside your toy box? 
Oh, what the, oh, yeah, the crazy combo. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. Um, I did get, uh, was it Sam Flynn from Tron Legacy? Uh -huh. And I had, what was it? I had him, I had him driving a land speeder in a, in a race <laughs> uh, against, it was like Woody from Toy Story <laughs> oh, nice. uh, on, a, on a light cycle or something. No, not on a light cycle. No, like, like a kind of shield, like Captain America's motorcycle. Okay. Um, what was the other thing? Um, and like, you know, the, from, from Disneyland, they had the spinning teacups. Mm -hmm. They had like, it was like, where is like Elsa from Frozen in one of the spinning teacups on this, <laughs> in, in this kind of racing game, you know, which just, and it was great because the, the teacup makes this kind of rattling noise, like, like bone China when it goes along. And it's just like, <laughs> I love the attention to detail these guys have put in there because there's loads of, loads of great little references to if, if you, you know, if you, if you're a, if you're somebody who's been to like Disneyland, you know, you see loads of little bits and pieces of that is in the game as well. You know, little bits of the rides at Disney is not just stuff from their movies and TV shows, but also stuff from the kind of the, the larger universe of Disney is all there in the, in, in the game. So if you're a fan of that, there's, there's stuff there that, you know, you're going to love. It really is a toy box, which is so funny because, you know, if you're, you've got a toy box of toys, you're mixing and matching all, you know, your Star Wars with your Transformers with your Barbies and your G.I. Joes. I mean, it's the same kind of concept. It really is a toy box. Totally. You know, it's, and I tell you, the, the thing that I find the most impressive about it is the, the, I guess you would call it the, the these devices, digital devices that are built into the toy box that allow you to create not just, you know, like a model building, but to create an entire game, you know, to create the like logic gates and, uh, you know, the kind of stuff that it's even very simple kind of computer programming, but done done in a very, very basic way where you can you can link objects to other objects and, you, you know, you press a button here and it generates a bad guy and it opens a door over here and sets a timer running and opens this and closes that. And you can create these really sort of complicated mechanics. And I look at it and I think to myself, you know, if I was a seven or eight year old kid, I would be all over this. This would be what I was doing every single day. And I really believe that I think the kids who are playing Disney Infinity right now, five or ten years' time, they will be the next generation of games designers because this, this is Lego for games creators. Oh, yeah, definitely. And this is why kids don't play outside because it's cooler <laughs> to play inside in these games. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, I'm changing subject slightly away from the game because I really want to know what you think of the new The Force Awakens poster that just came out. Yeah, I mean, I've I've literally seen that like what, five minutes before we started this conversation. Is I just looked on Twitter and I was like, "Whoa, here we go!" You know, and um, it looks fantastic. I mean, everybody's kind of saying, "You know, what's that in the background? That's no moon," <laughs> and 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 uh, you know, everybody's kind of scratching their heads. But um, the the thing that really made me happy, and this is kind of like it, it's kind of geeky in a strange way, is uh, seeing John Boyega with a lightsaber. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're because, big John fans. <laughs> because you know, um, I mean, I'm a you know, I'm a I'm a London-born lad, born and bred, and I'm I'm very proud of my hometown, and and so is John. You know, John's from Peckham, uh, and I'm from he's from Peckham in South London. I'm I'm from I'm from Edmonton in North London. But you know, I'm so pleased to see a guy from London in a Star Wars movie holding a lightsaber. It makes me feel proud of my city. You know, and, and, and it's and just awesome to see him up there doing that. You know. And it just looks so cool. You know, Daisy Ridley there looking like she's ready to kick some ass. And, you know, Princess Leia there is that. She got, it looks like she's got like a new haircut. What's all that about? You know, and there's, and there's Han Solo and there's Chewie and there's all this stuff. And, and my other question is I'm looking at going, where's Luke? You yeah. 
You know, yeah, those kind of, are the and, two things. The moon, it was like, wait, what is that? That that is that another Death Star? I mean, what is that? And then, um, then my next thought is, and where's Luke? Why are we hiding Luke? We know what Mark Hamill looks like with a beard. Why is it such a secret? It just tells me there's something more going on with Luke than we think. Yeah, that's the great thing about it is is that you know it's it's in that poster does all the things it should do. It's exciting. It's enticing and it's a little bit mysterious as well. You know, it does all the things that, okay, I want to go see this movie now. As if you didn't want to see it before. <laughs> as, if I, as, as if, you know, it was kind of like, yeah, okay, guys, you know, I've, you, I'm pretty much, you know, I'm on board now already. But, you know, if you needed to push me over the top, that would have been it. But I'm already there, you know. Yeah, and then there's the little alien next to R2-D2, which I'm assuming is the one we see in the teaser trailer handing the lightsaber over to Leia. Yeah, who's that? You know, it's, right? It, you know, you see these little things, and I mean, you could do the same thing. You could go back and look at like you know the 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 posters for like you know like you look go back and look at that original poster for Star Wars, and look at all the people in there and go like you know how much did that tell you about the film that you eventually went to see? Right, right. so much speculation you can do, and of course, by the time anybody hears the show we're recording, the trailer would have just come out. So yeah, yeah. there's more information coming. <laughs> Yeah, so, well, that, that's kind of the, this is this is the sort of the geek hobby, right? It's like you know, just when when you're waiting for a thing to happen, that's what we do is we kind of gather around our nerd campfire and we go, okay, what do you think it is? And you know, and we, and we sieve every little bit of information and kind of unpack it and say, well, what could it be? Could it be this? Or could it be that? You know, and that's part of the fun, I guess. I I speculate and change my mind all the time. <laughs> you just never know what we're gonna get. You know, it's yeah. exciting. <laughs> so, James, were you like this when uh, the first prequel? trilogy was coming out were you all excited oh, and pumped and speculating oh totally i remember the 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 day that the, the trailer for phantom menace dropped it was it was aired in the uk on a on a breakfast tv show at like it was on a friday and it was like kind of airing at sort of 6 a.m or something so i you know so I, and th this is going to date me now i got up and programmed my video cassette recorder <laughs> to, to to record this entire tv show you know to catch this trailer uh, and that Friday night, um, I used to I used to run a role playing pencil and paper role playing game with a bunch of my friends, and so all of my pals were all coming around that night. And and of course, the first thing we did is we were like, "No, forget the game. We want to see the trailer." <laughs> and so you know, we were sitting there, we we're fast forwarding through this tape for hours, and then finally we found the trailer and we watched it. And like you know, we watched it like four or five times, you know, and did exactly this, like just going through it, you know, freeze framing it moment by moment. What does that mean? What's who are those guys coming out of the mist? What does he mean by wipe them out, all of them? You know, is that this guy? Is what? Who's that? What's this thing? You know. Um, so yeah, you know, it was it was very much the 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 same kind of emotions sort of coming back on it. You know, and and I'm just I'm really excited to see what what a new generation of Star Wars will be like. Is, is now where is it going to go? I mean, it, it's kind of like with the with all the changes that we've seen to the to the with with the uh, the, the Star Wars canon and everything. You know. Or as much as it sort of pains me to see stuff about the Star Wars universe that I really love kind of being pushed to one side, I'm also excited about the idea that it's kind of like all bets are off now. And, and we've, you know, we've got this almost got a clean slate here, and I, I want to see what we're going to get. Yeah, because with the prequels, we knew ultimately where, where it had to go, how it was going to end. But this, I mean, sky's the limit. We have no idea. It can go in any direction. Oh, yeah. Totally, you know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because in the prequels, it's like this is a this is a story about the journey, right? Because we know Anakin's going to fall, we know that's going to happen, and so you know you know where that story is going to end. So the story is about well, how do we get from where we are now to the end of the plot? But with Force Awakens and the you know the the next two movies, it's like 
yeah, like you say, sky's the limit. So they, they also announced with that that they would be doing the marathon. Are you going to try and seeing all seven films in the same day? Wow. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? I mean, that's is that that's a that's a feat of endurance. I'm not saying that because the movies aren't great, you know. I'm just thinking, wow, you'd really have to plan well, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. How many how many hours would that be? So all seven of the films. Well, let's see. So the way that, from from what I'm understanding, uh, the early speculation, go, judging by the Avenger films, they were saying that if if you saw the film at seven o'clock on the seventeenth, uh, seven o'clock in the afternoon you would have to start watching Phantom Menace at four, like 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning. Right, okay. No bathroom <laughs> breaks or anything? Yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's, yeah, that, they would ha- that, that's scheduling for breaks and everything. That, that's about the, the amount of time. I mean, I have, um, I think the longest marathon I ever, I, I, I did do a marathon of like all five Star Trek movies one time uh, in a movie theater in London. And, and I was lucky enough to see uh, a marathon of, of the, the original trilogy uh, at a movie theater in Elstree Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was crazy. It was a whole bunch of us just went down to, to see this. And it, it wasn't a very big deal. It was just kind of like, you know, it's just, this is a celebration of Elstree and because of all the hard work that the studios put on. And we didn't realize it at the time, but it was actually the last time the movies were shown in their original form before the special editions came out. Okay. Oh, wow. And so we all came out of it afterwards, and, and I can remember, you know, kind of like cheering along at the end, you know, uh, you know, doing the Yahoo at the same time that Lando Calrissian does when he comes out of the Death Star and everything. And I'm <laughs> returning to turning to a friend of mine. I said, "These movies, they're still great," and we were like, "Yeah, we still love all these films," you know. <laughs> so I, I kind of like to do that. I mean, before I started work on um, Twilight of the Republic, one of the things I did for myself just to kind of um, you know, it's such hard work, you know, being a guy writing Star Wars. I, I, I sat down and I, I watched all six of the movies again, uh, you know, uh, for research. And that, that, was, that was what I was telling everybody. Right, uh, that was your excuse, yeah. That just was research, excuse. yeah. It mm-hmm. was research, of course, absolutely. Oh, yeah. um, but what was interesting was, that was the, f- I didn't realize until I sat down, it was the first time I actually watched all six movies in chronological order, in, in episode order, I mean. And I'd, I'd never done that before. I'd, I'd, you know, I'd seen them you know, in, in, in release order and I'd seen them here and there, but I'd never actually sat down and watched you know, from episode one through to episode six. So how did it play for you? You know, the th- I, w- I was actually quite surprised how well it, it really does hang together. And I didn't think it would. And it, it just, it does flow very, very well. And, you know, just going from one to the other to the other to the other. And, uh, and it really made me think at the same time I was looking at, uh, you know, the early stuff from Star Wars Rebels about how one of the things I loved about Rebels is they really got the tone right, is it really feels like it's set around a new hope. You know, it's got that same kind of texture as that movie had. And I love the way that the, the kind of, you see the kind of tides of story moving in and out as, the, as each movie goes past, you know, as the, the tone of the, the, the narrative changes from kind of, you know, light to dark to light to dark. All right, James. So, of course, you're more than just Star Wars. You've been delving into other franchises, Doctor Who and Star Trek, Stargate. You've done your own original work. Go ahead and tell us some of the other things that you have uh, written and uh, put together. Well, um, I like to describe myself as a writer of stuff. You know, people say, what kind of stuff? And I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm lucky that I get to write in a lot of different fictional universes that have, you know, given me a lot of pleasure. So as well as telling stories for, for Star Wars, I've, I've been able to write some, some Star Trek fiction. Uh, I did some stuff for the Star Trek Voyager television series very, very many, many years ago, which is like my first kind of geek credit. 
Uh, and since then, I've written uh, a bunch of Star Wars novel, uh, a bunch of Star Trek novels. I've uh, I've done a little bit of work writing for Doctor Who. I've written audio drama stories for Doctor Who and a, and a Doctor Who novel. I've written um, audio stories and uh, novels for for Stargate, for Stargate Atlantis, Stargate SG One, Stargate Universe. And I've also written uh, a bunch of books for the the Warhammer Forty Thousand universe, which is a um, uh, based on a, a tabletop miniatures game. Um, and a couple of other little franchises here and there. So I, I recently, last year, I, I did a I did a thriller novel um, based on Twenty Four Live Another Day, which is the most recent series of that. And I've done some tie-in stuff based on uh, another video game project, which is um, Deus Ex: Human Revolution, which is a game I, I was I was involved in as a writer, and then I wrote a, a novel based on the game as well. And you recently uh, released a Star Trek novel, a Titan novel, with uh, get this, Michael Admiral Riker. I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He, he's, he doesn't get to say it's a trap, though. Um, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's sight unseen. That just came out um, a couple of months ago, um, and that's um, it, it's it's based on the the Star Trek crew kind of following on from the events of uh, the last Star Trek movie, Star Trek Nemesis. So it's not like the reboot universe, and uh, the characters have kind of moved on. You know, some of them got married, some of them got promoted, and you know. Riker and uh, Deanna Troy are now, you know, they're they're now a couple, and they have a little girl, and they've uh, they've got their own ship, which is the USS Titan. Uh, and in this novel, you know, they're they're out uh, exploring out in deep space when uh, a threat from Riker's past, a shadowy alien force that he encountered back in the TNG days, comes back to haunt him once again. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to read that. It's on my list. I'm right right now. I'm trying to finish uh, Atonement, the Voyager novel by uh, Kristen Beyer. So once I'm done with that, I'm moving on to yours. Oh, her, the the Voyager stuff is fantastic. I oh love gosh. the work that she's been doing. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really amazing. And there are some. She's got some very cool plans for stuff coming up as well. I can tell you. And do you have cool plans coming up too? Well, I'm I'm sort of I'm kind of between jobs right now. I mean, I'm just kind of winding down uh, on this. I've uh, I've I've finished a, a classic Star Trek novel uh, set during the you know the proper kind of Kirk Spock McCoy era, you know the uh, the old days of Star Trek. I've finished that recently. That's going to be coming out in February next year because next year is the the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, the the original Star Trek TV series. And, uh, and my book, I think, is going to be the first kind of classic Trek novel hitting the shelves next year. So I'm very pleased to to have been part of that. Um, I'm doing some work on some video game projects. I mentioned uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution, the new Deus Ex game, Mankind Divided. That's going to be coming out next year. Uh, I did some work on that. Um, and I've got a bunch of other stuff that I'm kind of looking at, which is all super toxic that I can't talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm also working on uh, my own original project, which is uh, a thriller novel, which I'm hoping will be coming out next year. Um, and I hope we'll do well. Awesome. Well, you've got at least one person that's going to be buying your novels, and he's <laughs> sitting right here. <laughs> well, thanks, man. Every little helps, you know. It's, it's, and it's, it's always great to, you know, to, to hear people, people say they read my stuff and they like it. Because, you know, as a writer, you, you sit here in front of your computer, and you type and type and type and type, and you send it out there, and you go, I hope people like it. You know, I, I, I thought it was pretty good. And, and, and it's always nice to hear people go, oh, that was good. And I'm like, oh, great. Okay, good. I'm glad someone else liked it. Yes, you do know that someone out there does like it. I'm one of them, and I know there's many others too, because I've I've talked to several of those people, and I'm hoping that uh, we get to see you venture back into Star Wars again sometime in the future. Oh, I would absolutely love to. You know, I mean, um, I, I've said before that um, one of the you know the, the things that I I've always wanted to do is I would really love to do a Star Wars novel. You know, because I've had such fun over the years reading them. 
and and you know and, and I have kind of you know I've I've sort of I've asked a couple of times and I've I've knocked on the door, but it's very it's, it's a very very tough gig to get. I, I often talk about it when I describe it. I say you know in those ninja movies where you see the guy he climbs the to the top of the mountain and there's the ninja temple. And he knocks on the door and says, I'd like to be a ninja, please. And they say, oh, you must stay outside. Sit in the snow for six weeks. And if we judge you worthy enough, we will let you come in and be a ninja. And that's kind of what it's like writing for Star Wars. Is, is I feel like you know, I, I'm, I'm sitting outside the temple in the snow and I'm waiting for the door to open. <laughs> and so, and, and so I, ho I hope one day you know, I, I, could, uh, I could tell a story, you know, a, a long-form story, not just a video game story, but uh, you know, to write a Star Wars novel. That, that's, that's up there on, on my kind of geek bucket list of things I'd love to do. Now, I have to ask if, because um, I'm sure they'll, they'll give you, you know, a, a bit of an assignment and say you can do this or in here or wherever. Uh, if there were no, if there were absolutely no uh, restraints and you could just go to town, where would you want to, you know, what era would you want to be writing in or what characters would you want to handle? Oh, man, that is a, that is a great question. <laughs> wow. Well, you know the, the the story that I I always thought was interesting, which and is kind of now been done. Is I wanted to know what the backstory for Asajj Ventress was, mm -hmm. and now we've got kind of Dark Disciple, which I haven't read yet. That's actually that's on my Kindle uh, to, to be read. Um, that you know, I think that's a fascinating idea because she's a really interesting character, mm -hmm. and I, I I really liked her, and I would have liked to have written something about her, but that that's kind of been done now. Um, I guess if I could do anything, if I could write any kind of Star Wars novel, I would want to do something in the vein of the X-Wing novels because those were my favorites. Yeah, yeah, that would you know, I would love to see something like I honestly I would love to see that come as like a Battlestar Galactica type TV show, but Oh yeah. But yeah, that anything awesome. we could get, you know, with with a Rogue Squadron or, or any X-Wing. I I actually really liked Wraith Squadron. I thought they were fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of of military science fiction. And the thing about the Star Wars universe is that there's it's such a sort of big umbrella that you can tell lots of different kinds of science fiction stories in them. You know, you can have kind of fantastical stories, or you can have more kind of gritty or hard edge stories, mm -hmm. and you can tell stuff that you know those kind of stories of daring do. Um, you know, uh, and and you know, X-wings for fighter pilots. I mean, what's not to love about that? Yeah. And and I love the stuff that you know that um, great writers like you know Aaron Alston and and Michael Stackpole did with you know, with with the X-wing series of novels. And it would be it would be fantastic to see you know, uh, maybe a series of novels or you know with, with that kind of focus, maybe set in the kind of you know the, the new the Force Awakens era or you know even. You could do it in the Clone Wars era about like a clone squadron of pilots. You know, there's a, there's a load of places you could go mm -hmm. where you could tell that kind of story, and I think that would be really fun to do. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I would, you know, that that's the great thing for me. You know, I always say uh, Star Wars is not science fiction; it's fantasy. And uh, you know, the thing with that is you you still have the ability to to have that and you know have those uh, those type of stories be told because. You know, you have essentially, you have these black knights, you know, that, that uh, run for the empire. And then you have these sort of uh, rebelling peasants, you know, that are, that are challenging them. So, you know, I still think you can really get that awesome fantasy element there. Mm -hmm, definitely. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's like a fusion of, of, of both of, of the best of both worlds. Yeah. Because you have, you have that kind of, you know, 
like you say, the the fantastical, almost fairy story kind of, you know, brave knights going off to slay the dragon kind of thing, you know, Mm -hmm. rescuing the princess from the castle, you know, you have that element to it. But then you also have, you know, the the you know the weird aliens and strange strange alien planets and you know um, cosmic vistas and and larger than life concepts about kind of you know what it is to be who you are and and you know what makes you different from other people and the idea of these amazing powers and, and abilities and you know even the getting down to the sort of really sort of cosmic issues about the idea of what is the force and you know and how to how do you relate to the universe around you all these like really big sort of crazy ideas you know but larger than larger than life ideas that are stimulating and, and, and exciting and fun and I think that's part of the part of the thing that has always drawn me to the Star Wars universe I think is if I had to sum it up in one word I would say adventure mm-hmm. and that's always been the thing I've loved about it is because it's always exciting it's always thrilling and you know there's there's always daring do and, and you know cool stuff happening over the next horizon and I've always you know, that's the thing I've always sought from Star Wars stories when I've played the games or read the comic books or the novels or saw the movies or the TV show. I've always drawn, been drawn to, drawn to that kind of stuff. And also, I just love cool spaceships. Oh, yeah. That's the, <laughs> that's the other great thing about it is that, you know, I, I'm, I have, um, I think, I, if, if I look around my office, I have, you know, uh, I have like a kind of trophy room of just like stuff and it's figures and toys and things from all the different things I'm a fan of. And I have a bunch of different Star Wars ships, you know, Millennium Falcons and X-Wings and where I'm sitting right now, I just look across the room and the first thing I lay my eyes on is like an N1 Naboo Starfighter sitting there on top of a, next to Serenity from Firefly and a, a Viper from Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> you know, and I have all that, you know, and I, and I love those, I love those beautiful designs, those iconic ships, you know. Right now I'm playing the, uh, the X-Wing board game the X-Wing Miniatures game, and I just oh, went out and I bought the, the Force Awakens starter set, you know, and I mm-hmm. love those ships, and they just look so great, and it's such fun to kind of get in there and just play around in that universe. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, well, I'll, I'll ask that. So you brought that up, because that's, you know, we do quite a bit of that. Actually, our last episode was uh, Hawk Talk, and uh, we our local play group is the Atlanta Hawks, because the uh, the basketball team is the Atlanta Hawks. So they have so we're the uh, Atlanta Hawks, but it's the HK or right, HWK yeah. like the uh, like the Hawk 290. Um nice. but so yeah, we we do quite a bit of that as well. Um ha- have you played enough where you you have a favorite list that you like to play or, or a couple oh, of ships? I'm I'm not that good. I buy a lot of the stuff these days. I don't get to play as much as I like because mm-hmm. my, my game of Circle of Friends is quite widely spaced. So I'm more of a collector these days than a player. Oh, no, I understand. But, uh, and, and I'm not that, I have to admit, I'm not that good. But I play for, I, I don't play seriously. I would never like go into a tournament or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I did like the the was it the Fat Hand list? That was one that I yes. played for a while. Yeah, that was uh, um, the Paul Heaver, the the guy who won worlds, I think twice. Um, that was his list that he he did with uh, the three Hawk, or I'm sorry, not Hawk, the three Z ninety fives and the uh, right. Han Solo that was loaded out. Yeah, is I mean I mean I just love the the every time there's a new announcement from what uh, Fantasy Flight are doing. So I'm kind of rubbing my hands with glee going, okay, you know what, right, okay, that's it. I'm not going to buy any more. <laughs> oh, wait, no. Oh, they've just released that. It's like when the, yep. you know, when they announced they were doing the, the Ghost and the Phantom and the, the Inquisitor's tie from Rebels. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I wasn't going to buy any more, but now I'm going to buy those because they look so cool, you know? Yep, yep. And then they also have the Punishing one. I love the Bounty Hunter ship. Yeah. So, so that's Dingar's ship coming is going to be fun. 
Yeah, and now you've got like, I mean, they're really putting a lot of effort behind the whole scum and villainy faction. So now, you know, that's there's a lot of interesting ships to, to choose from if you want to just play uh, as a scum player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how about just your favorite Star Wars uh, in-universe ship? Do you, have, do you have one that you could easily call your favorite? Oh, again, tough call. <laughs> I know yeah, I mean, difficult. I got to say, if if I, I mean, are we talking like what fire scale or capital ship? Just anything that you uh, that would come to mind. Yeah, I would say if if you if you pushed me to it, mm-hmm. I would have to say the A wing. You know that would, that would be mine too. <laughs> be- because because I just you know I always like the speedy ones. I mean, and if I was because if and if you were asking me to pick an imperial ship. Uh, yeah, I probably would go for the tie interceptor as well because it's the <laughs> I, I like I like the race car ships. I like fast yep. ones. Yep, that's and, uh, and whenever whenever I used to play like the X wing computer game, you know, as I, I always loved playing the A wing missions because I just mm-hmm. like you know being able to zoom straight in there and like have a f- quick battle and zoom back out again. Yeah, that's uh, those are easily mine as well. I love. I actually have right here in my hand my Suntrafell action figure, and then uh, Tycho Pelchu <laughs> is. Uh, another favorite, so I, I'm right there with you. I love the uh, the fast ships. What about the yeah. flying sand crawlers? <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, that is the nickname that's going around for the uh, the. Oh, well, for the hound's tooth. Yes, for the hound's so, tooth. Oh my god! Yeah, that's that's a, <laughs> that's a great description of it. Yeah, yeah, it does look. It's that kind of weird, like wedge shaped kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, I've, I just the most recent one I picked up is I bought the K wing. Because mm-hmm. and that's like uh, you know that's like the what the Star Wars equivalent of like the A10 Thunderbolt, right? You know, it's just like it's ugly looking, but you know, man, it's just dripping with weapons. You know, yeah. Well, it's it's ugly in a beautiful Star Wars kind of way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it just it looks like it looks like they said, all right, well, you know, we we cobbled some stuff together just to kind of make it work, and that was the Y wing. But now we need something even more, so just stack some more stuff on there. There you go, K wing, go. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's like you know what? It's a Y wing. It's a Y wing, but you know what? It's just not Y wing enough. You need to turn the <laughs> dial up to eleven. You know, and that's exactly, what you get. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what we get from Force Awakens as well, because I mean, obviously we're getting you know we've got the new T seventy X wing, and we've got mm-hmm. the the first order Tie fighters, and then there's that there's that like. Is there's like the special forces one that has like a turret and like a rear gunner on it or something? I've yeah. seen the Lego model of that. Yeah, so it's um, I actually have several different models. I have the the Hot Wheels version. I have the uh, Disney Store version. I have a model uh, from Revel, and then uh, no, 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 that's right. I haven't I haven't purchased the model yet. I plan to get that one, and then I also have the the Hasbro three and three quarters one. So I have several of the the special order tie or special forces tie. I really like that ship. Um, cool. They have, and of course. I, I look at that and I immediately start thinking, "Oh, how would you game that? You know, what kind of stats would you use if you were oh, playing that on the tabletop?" Yeah, it, well, it's you know, it's they haven't shown that it's coming yet, uh, as far as I know. Um, you know, they they have shown that everyone's assuming it's going to be with with that wave eight that they're going to be releasing the T uh, seventies expansion mm-hmm. by itself, and then also the just the standard uh, first order Tie Fighter. But you know, I suspect you know. I would think that they would they would give us the the black and orange X wing and the uh, special forces tie at some point. So very interesting well, you, to see. Because uh, well, I mean, you've got to know. I mean, I've I've met some of the guys from Fantasy Flight because uh-huh. they they've worked on some of the Warhammer stuff as well, which I'm also kind of involved with. And 
having talked to those guys, they're just like us. They're, mm -hmm. they're gamers, right? And, and, oh, yeah. and so you know those guys are looking at that and going, okay, how do we turn that into something that we can play on a tabletop? They're thinking exactly the same way that we are. Oh, so yeah. I have absolutely no doubt that, yeah, we'll, we'll see the, the black and orange Podammer on X-Wing and, and we'll see the, you know, the special forces tie. And, of course, I'm thinking to myself, what's going to come after that? What's the next <laughs> thing we're going to see? Are we going to see, like, the, the Kylo Ren shuttlecraft that we've seen with the big folding wings? That's Are we going to see the, those dropship kind of vessels and that kind of stuff? Is all that going to be coming out? I would say definitely. <laughs> it's just going to be a matter of when. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't think... Uh, I don't think that they will pass up the opportunity. I don't think Disney will pass up the opportunity to ask them to put that out there. I would love to see as well for, for the X-Wing tabletop game, I would love to see some uh, prequel um, content as well. Like Another one of my favorite ships, I mean, the, from the, the prequel series, is I love the N1 Starfire, the Naboo Starfire. It's, mm -hmm. just, it's a lovely, elegant kind of Flash Gordon-esque design. I really love that. And there's, you know, you've got those, um, what is it, the, the, the Ether Sprite fighters... And you've got uh, all of the different sort of variations of fighter craft that we saw, the Torrent and all those kind of ships. You know, there's a lot of really great sort of fighter scale vessels in the prequels, and I'd love to see those as stuff that I could play in that game as well. Yeah, I think, just my opinion, I haven't seen anything official. I think the, the biggest uh, problem that they would run into with trying to, to do those prequel ships would just be how to faction them. Because you can't really, for instance, do the... Um, Oh, what, what was it called? The uh, Confederation. Um, the Separatists. Yeah, the, the Separatists. You know, you can't really put the Separatists with the Imperials because they were sort of, you know, the, the Imperials were actually uh, the Republic and then, you know, they battled before. And then same thing with putting, like, the, the Republic with the Rebels. I, I don't know. To me, I think that that would probably cause, you know, too many people to be like, this really shouldn't be here. So, I mean, possibly they could do different factions if they wanted to do that. Um I just I don't know I think that's opening up a a lot and then also I don't know that they have that there is enough ships uh, to justify you know o opening up those new factions. Yeah, I mean I'm just I'm just kind of like this is my fanish wish mm -hmm. fulfillment here. Oh, no, yeah, I I'm thinking. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't it be cool if I did one of those? You know, and I'm sure yeah you could you could work out a way around it. You can say well you know this is set during you know a New Hope and somebody happened to find a hangar full of. Uh, you know these ships that nobody that were left over from the Clone Wars. You know, right? Yeah, and, they could definitely and, put them. And what would the, would the technology level work? I mean, would they be better? Or it's like, are, are the Force Awakens ships going to be better than the classic trilogy ships? So would that mean that if you were doing prequel trilogy ships, would they have to be less powerful because to represent the change in technology over the time period? That would be cool. That would be cool. You find them in mothballs somewhere, <laughs> and then you have them compete with all the newer technology and the newer ships out there. That would be awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, the the one thing I think they could do easily is, is possibly getting some of these ships in uh, with Scum and Villainy. And I, I think that could make for a lot of fun to see, you know, like you said, like the uh, the N1 Starfighter, but it's, you know, it's painted up. You can tell it's, it's definitely seen some wear over the years and it's got some modifications and things like that. Um, you know, they, they could certainly do it that way and that could be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It was kind of cool to see, um, I think it was in, in season one of Rebels, where they go to that, uh, they find that base on the asteroid that was like a, a Clone Wars era base. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when they're walking around inside the hangar, you see all these wrecked ships, but they're all kind of Clone Wars era ships. Yeah. And I was, when I was watching it, I was thinking, oh, wouldn't it be cool if they got to fly one of those? But, you know, but no, it wasn't to be. <laughs> yeah. But they they have already went ahead and introduced the... Uh, 
well, they, they've showed in the previews. I don't think... Well, we, we've seen the A-Wings already. So, so that's been introduced earlier than what was initially canon. So that's kind of cool. And then the uh, same thing with the B-Wing is, you know, we, we've seen previews of that coming. Yeah, I've, I've seen... Uh, I can't say much about it. I've, I've seen a little bit of that episode, the B-Wing episode, and that's very cool. That's a very mm-hmm. cool story. All right, Scoundrels, well, that just about wraps us up. Appreciate everybody tuning in to this episode. Uh, one thing that I wanted to mention first is that we are starting our contest for the Tops Galactic Connection Starter Pack. How you win this is you'll have to go to our Twitter or our Facebook and either like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. And from there, we'll have our tweet for the Galactic Connections contest. If you retweet that or if you repost it on Facebook, so long as you're following us, that'll enter you in our, in our contest. Now, you can either do Facebook or Twitter, but if you do both, that does enter your name in twice. So it gives you twice the opportunity of winning the competition. So good luck with that, scoundrels. And that's going to be our show. Of course, you know you can always find us at cloudcitycasino at gmail.com or at cloudcitycasino on Twitter or Cloud City Casino on Facebook. Should be easy enough, right? And of course, you can find me at Morris Isley on Twitter. And Bruce, where can they find you, man? They can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. James, uh, what's the best way to find you? Oh, sure. Well, um, uh, most of the time I'm on Twitter at JM Swallow, where I try to be clever and witty um, <laughs> in 140 characters or less. Uh, and you can also find me on uh, my blog on uh, Blogspot. And that's uh, Red Flag, that's called. And it's uh, jameswallow.blogspot.com. Um, and generally, that's, that's where I hang, hang out on the internet. Awesome. Well, uh, like I said, we definitely appreciate you uh, dropping by. And you're welcome back anytime. Well, thanks a lot, guys. And hopefully, uh, in the future, if, if I get involved in any more uh, Star Wars projects, I will come back and talk about them again. All right. Oh. We'll definitely be calling you. All right, man. So I definitely appreciate everybody tuning in. That's been our show. And never forget. Let the Wookiee win. That's creepy. (laughs) 